Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Dumonticus podcast. I am your host, Mr. Joe Dumont, who is excited to bring to you this next podcast. It's an interview with Heather Van Struen, the educational technology consultant for our school district, and she is fantastic. She's doing such great work in our district. And uh, yeah, the interview is good, so I hope you enjoy listening to the podcast. I will mention that it never fails when you're doing a presentation, or in this case a podcast on technology, that the technology will let you down in some way. So in this case, we were recording the podcast. First over the phone, recording on my Mac, and then there were so many delays and interruptions that we decided to switch to Skype. And then in the Skype interview, there was a little bit of background noise, so I had to do some editing, and I'll have to catch you up in a couple spots. But I'm hoping you still enjoy the conversation because it's a rich dive into what's happening with technology in our schools and our current one-to-one project. So I hope you enjoy. So without further ado, this is the Demonicus Podcast, all about the world of educational tech, in this case, with Heather Van Struen. Daddy's Podcast. So I'm here with yep. Heather Van Struen. This is the Demonicus Podcast. Welcome to my many, many, many thousands of listeners slash maybe six. <laughs> but we're excited to do a recording of the podcast. Yeah. It's been a little while. The last one I did was actually my summary of Innovation Week. Oh, yeah. It was good because I had kid interviews, like kid snippets, and uh, talked about what it week was and how it went and it was pretty, uh, pretty interesting yeah, process to go through, and it was fun to do the podcast. I did it over Christmas break, and I got a chance to uh, kind of review the whole event, as it were, and think about what we do differently and what we do the same. So anyway, yeah. So I'm here with Heather Van Struen, and she is it, our – what's your official title? Uh, ed, educational Technology Consultant. Okay. See, I was going to say tech consultant. Yeah. That's right. So educational technology. So you're a teacher. Yes. Who's taught junior high and, mostly? Yeah, yeah. I um, I went to the University of Alberta, and I I have two degrees: one from the Faculty of Physical Education, and then um, my ed degree. My major is phys ed, and my minor is biology. And then that led me to math ten, and then junior high, mostly grade nine, and all of the cores I've have have had experience with. So. You see, now, I didn't make the phys ed connection. I could have been pressing you to come out and coach a sports team. That's all I think about now as a principal. Who's coaching? Where are we coaching? So, yeah, exactly. And you're you're not busy at three. Um, you know, never. <laughs> Maybe Just a little a bit. A little bit here and there. After school workshops. <laughs> plan, yeah, that's actually probably one of my more busier times. Oh, absolutely, yeah. But it's, we're done, done with that. Like, I don't – yeah. I think people, everyone should coach in some way or get involved in some way because it's such a good way to build relationships with your students. It's fun. I'm coaching uh, the our junior high girls team that's actually got four grade five kids on it and two grade six. And then I've got a grade five, six team as well. It's co-ed. And it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, and exactly that, right? You get to build the connection with kids and crack bad yeah. jokes. Yeah, it's fun with them. Yeah, That's exactly You mm-hmm. see you in a different light and you mm-hmm. see them in a different light. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's a lot of fun. It's very positive. So this is your second yeah. year as the ed tech consultant. Yeah, and it's 
it's been busier than last year, like, and it's been different than last year too. I've been doing, well, last year being new to the district and um, new to the position and, and the same can go for Elk Island. Like they didn't have this position prior to me for for a while. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was about building relationships. Mm -hmm. And so I would just go out to schools and, whether they wanted me to come or not, and and I was there working. And then what ended up happening is that I started building more relationships with teachers and administrators and then was requested more so that that this year when I started, when we started the school year, I was already booked up practically for all of September and a lot of the PD days for the rest of the year. So that, yeah, I I consider that good feedback for how the first year went anyways. Yeah, oh, for sure. And that's that second year as your relationships grow, your your work grows, right? Because people know to contact you and that you're there for them. That's exactly it. Mm -hmm. And then it challenges me too more to to keep pushing myself to be ahead of the curve and to support the staff. Yeah. You know, it's an interesting uh, side observation is that, you know, you'd assume when you talk about technology or something that's in the tech world, as you are in your current role, like you get into Chromebooks versus this, or you know what's been good, what's not good. But really, in anything in education, like anything really in business in the real world, it is about relationships, right? So, you know, a tool is just a tool, yeah. but it's only as effective as the humans that are able to interact and collaborate and work together and build relationships to make them effective and to have them meet a purpose or you know whatever that goal may be that you're trying to achieve. But relationship is that's exactly it. Fundamental. We were chatting about things. Well, and it's funny you say that too because, yeah, and and um, we, when I say we, myself, um, Michael Hotman, the superintendent, Sean Haggerty, the deputy superintendent, a few other um, people here at Central Learning Services were part of a Alberta project where a lot of the, the school boards were heavily encouraged to join this thing called Leveraging Leadership. From there, they were looking at how we uh, implement the learning and technology policy framework. And so there were some surveys and some questionnaires, and it was kind of wordy. And then it led to leading to a book uh, boot camp in Calgary in November time. And when we got to this boot camp, we weren't really sure what our role was with this whole process. Like, it seemed very ba- vague, even with the questions and the surveys we had to do. And as the boot camp went on, it was quite apparent that they were there to just collect some data. And um, when it came to education, that's what they thought it was, was data. Right. And so using technology to aggregate more data and how we use that data and on and on. And what they really missed out was teaching isn't necessarily about data at all. It's about building those relationships with students. Because without that, like, who cares if students are doing great or poorly? You need to know what's going on with that student behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you can't influence kids, and you can't. And in your role, you can't edu- influence educators without relationship and building that connection and showing that they're you're trustworthy and and you you know get some of the big pieces that they get and. Yeah, and that's that's key for mm-hmm. sure. And there's probably a similar role for data, you know, in every in every career, every job. But uh, you know, that data is only as relevant as the people yeah. interacting. Well, that's it. And you can look at like I think about being in the classroom when you do uh, some type of assessment. Let's say it's a 
uh, unit exam, and um, the data is the marks that the students received. But you can look back at a mark and say, oh, you know, Joe, he didn't do so well, even though throughout the whole unit he was really active, he was really engaged. He seemed a little bit off on that day that he did the assessment, so there must be more to it, right? Mm -hmm. And then the data helps, but it's not the end-all, be-all. Yeah, the, the data just gives you one little snippet to a big puzzle, right? One one piece of the puzzle. Cool. And so, it's good for that feedback. It really is. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. So I was going to say, so here's an observation. I'm new in my school, but this is the first year. Our district's on one-to-one, -one, grade four to 12. So all grade four to 12 kids in Alcala Catholic have been invited to bring with them a device that they'd like to use at school. Lots of kids are using a Chromebook. That'd be probably 80, 90%, I'd guess, maybe across the district. So here's my observation. Mm -hmm. You know, Good, bad, all those good things, you know, what, and there's pros and cons to absolutely every change, there's no doubt. Um, in my observations, I haven't heard once, and sometimes you forget, right, what last year was like because you just get into this year and you forget. Yeah. So um, what I think uh, what I think is interesting is that uh, I haven't heard once somebody say they can't access the Chromebook cart or the lab, oh. right, because there's always the stress in the past. Oh, I'd like to do this unit. I'd like to use tech. I'd like to integrate tech with this you know, topic in my science or my social or whatever it might be, but I can never get my hands on these Chromebooks or we're sharing or the other classes got it now. And that conversation has almost disappeared like that in one year. One change. And that's, that's like a stress that's left in a way. Mm -hmm. Oh, some people would go like months in advance and book the cart or book the, the computer lab just so that, they had it, and then what happened was people noticed that other teachers were booking it ahead, so they would go ahead and book it. And so, you know, halfway through the year, you might get this amazing idea to do this amazing, and you don't have the resources to do it. Yeah, it's totally changed it. And the other thing that's interesting, too, is, you know, for the last 20, 30 years, it, you know, computers have been, there's been computer labs in schools, and then later, you know, mobile carts of laptops or whatever. There's always been that stress of like trying to make the use of the technology technology authentic so where you know you're in the middle of something and you want to research a question go ahead and you know research it right now you, you always have to be pre-planned mm -hmm. to go get that chromebook card or you know laptop card or go to the lab so what happened i think a lot in schools i mean this was very true in the 90s and early 2000s is that you were going to the computer lab to use technology so it's a standalone subject you were like going to do tech and then you'd go back to do social studies, right, with paper, pencil, or textbooks, or whatever. And that barrier, to me, mm. it's almost dissolved in the last, you know, few months as it's been an authentic integration. Like, you know, your, our classroom teachers here at school will be doing a lesson, and the option will be available. So we're doing a, a magazine. Do you want to make your magazine with with uh, paper and pencil crayons? And you know, it's a it's a self esteem magazine. So there's going to be a number of articles there that talk about, you know body image and, and fitness and health and nutrition and, you know, emotions and how you know, how do you feel about yourself. But they can build it all with paper and pencil. They can build it on tech and they can do a combination of both and whatever works for them. So that yeah. way is so authentic and so seamless. It's just how do you want to present your learning and how do you want to present your work? And kids try, you know, different well, it, things. And it's so powerful because now students actually have more ownership in their learning instead mm -hmm. of just being told they have a little bit more of a voice, which is huge, especially for some of those students who always dreaded the day they did 
title pages and you had to color and draw because they weren't good. And now with this magazine project, it's they would have the same type of anxiety. And it's it's it empowers them a bit more, which is phenomenal. And I found in my experience it pushes it even past the idea of the specific task of, okay, they're supposed to create a magazine, but some students might want to start creating websites or blogs, mm-hmm. and they start showing even more understanding and more passion on the subject matter. That's right. Exactly. No, for sure. And I was one of those kids that did not like coloring or having to... <laughs> I could draw okay. I loved it. I had to, get, <laughs> had to do coloring. You know, it's interesting. I, I wonder the gender difference with this, because I watch at home right now. Yeah. My bought like an, an adult coloring book. And so she's yeah. you know up till late at night last night, and she's getting all this great satisfaction from coloring these little spots. You know, it turns out, and then my girls are six and four, and they're doing the same, right? Everyone's coloring. I'm like, what is wrong yeah. with you people? Coloring is the worst. I think, and they love it. You're right on the gender thing. I totally think it's part of that. Yeah, they love it. But then I think, yeah, like having that option. If I was a kid in school, I would have gone to use probably the tech, at least for the visual pieces. And, um, you know, maybe even made it with a GIF or something that's animated to some level as well, right? Yeah. So there's another element that you could bring in that's maybe as hard to accomplish or do as, you know, the coloring title page and taking your time. But, uh, you know, it's just a way that uh, would have engaged me as a learner in junior high or elementary for sure in a different level. Totally. Totally. And I think of, like, the memes. Memes nowadays, like, they are so clever. So and when clever. You- clever you're looking at a higher level of thinking Mm -hmm. and so um i saw a teacher use them in their class and and, um what was interesting they tied it in with social studies and the renaissance and for their students to create the memes they had to really understand the context of the renaissance right understand the viewpoint that it was coming from. So whether mm-hmm. it was a peasant or whether it was the Medici family or whatever, such high level thinking. And like you mentioned the, the, the GIF or GIF and it's the same idea, like somewhat of a higher level thinking. Mm-hmm. It's to, wonderful. Yeah. To apply it in context this is a great project for grade eights. That's awesome. Yeah. I liked it. Yeah. That's fantastic. So I think from my observation, like, you know, the one-to-one um, launch this year has taken down barriers which i think we predicted you know i was on your committee last year on the one-to-one project and we mm-hmm. predicted that it would pull down barriers for our four to twelves um, and for our educators in terms of planning and how they can authentically integrate technology and that piece has been fantastic uh, curious what your observation has been about the struggles like where where have been some of the bumps or or you know hiccups along the way well i think it comes to the fact that students are bringing whatever device works for them and sometimes it's not whatever device works for them it's whatever mom and dad sent uh, to school so you know a teacher might have a class full of chrome one student with an ipod Mm -hmm. and it's very frustrating when um you know the student comes with the ipod and isn't able to participate like the rest of the students right and uh you know and asking a grade four or grade five to shoot on troubleshoot on their device is a little bit difficult. There's understanding of how the device works, but it's also hard for the teacher to not be hands-on and problem-solve. And if you're not technically technical inclined, it's that's a stress and that's a struggle. Mm-hmm. So I've seen that. 
And so, so teachers working through how to fix solutions and realizing that maybe they can't fix the solution and the student might have to suffer a little bit through either not being able to use technology uh, or suffering through using their technology and trying to figure it out and eventually converting to Chromebooks because that's what the whole class happens to be. Right. Yeah. So we had to interrupt the podcast at that point because of all the delays in the phone line and we switched over to Skype. But in the meantime, I was uh, acting principal and secretary at my school and had a few few phone calls and a couple things to deal with with students. So it was a few minutes before I got back together. But here we go. Okay, so while we were on pause from our podcast, I had uh, a number of kids come down to get school Chromebooks because theirs are not charged or they left them at home. So there was a couple I had to hand out, which is fine. We go through that daily, probably six to ten go out, I would say, every day in our school. And then um, a teacher, her keyboard stopped working and was making clicking sounds. So I fixed it. You'll never believe how I did it. How? I turned the computer off and on. Booyah. <laughs> and then it works, tr- right? It works like a charm, yeah. Have you tried this? It's mm-hmm. the um it's the secret IT doesn't tell you. The secret IT doesn't tell you. It's always the turn did you try turning it off and on yeah. again? And the other yeah. one that's hilarious is uh I had a teacher say, you know, my, my smart board stopped working, I don't know what the problem is. So I go in there, I'm like, Oh, it's probably something simple, I'll fix it. So I'm I was probably in there for ten minutes and I unplugged everything and plugged it all back in. I'm like, I don't understand why this is not working. And then I I was using the uh, docking station. So I disconnect the dock station and plug the VGA cord into the computer. And it worked. So I'm like, what is going on? And I kept yep. troubleshooting. And then I left because I had to go do something else. I came back. And all that had happened was the power cord to the docking station had popped out. So it was like the simplest of simple. And <laughs> devastated that it took me that long to figure out. I was so disappointed in myself. I was like reflecting on my drive home. Like, why did I not check the power cord? I know, and it, but you go through like the first steps that you know. Like you just now, the next time you'll go, you'll check with the power cord first. Yes, I will definitely check the power cord. So experience is big. I mean, you need some experience to know kind of what uh, what to go with. So that leads me to that other point about you know. So we switched to one to one, and now we got grade four to grade twelves that are able to use technology authentically in the classroom when it's appropriate when they would also there's lots of choice so they when they want to show their learning or do a project using their tech they can they don't have to in a lot of mm-hmm. cases depending on what the teacher is directed but um i wonder if that bridges that gap though because we really you know for my generation there's people that have some comfort level with tech like i don't consider myself a tech tech expert but i'm comfortable enough to go try right and then some shy mm-hmm. right away. They won't go anywhere near it. Like, oh, I don't know what to do. You got to get an expert. And there's, of course, those that live in the IT world that are 100% experts and could take over the world if they wanted to. Thankfully, they're all very nice, good people. <laughs> yeah. So, so I wonder if this new, if one-to-one will change that a little bit where we won't have these big gaps in society as these kids become young adults in our society. I don't know. It's hard to, it's hard to say. Like, it's... I would like to think so, but then you never know what what the future holds, what technology is going to be around, and and I think um, I think there'll always be kind of a a bit of a gap, and it just depends on like your professional role. Like I'm guessing people out in 
um, the oil sands working on the rigs don't really need to know much about computers and how to troubleshoot that way. Whereas, you know, people who are working for an office job have to learn it a little bit more quickly. And I think what, what this will do with schools is that teach, it'll bridge the gap for teachers anyways, because it's just going to push them more and more to understand the technology and how it works, I like to think anyways. Yeah, I think that's true. So in our profession, we're encouraging and setting up um, enough creative tension with support, like in your role and and tech mm -hmm. leads in schools like myself and in men to push teachers though to continue to figure out the tech and support them, help them along the journey. But that, you know, it's not something that's going away and you can't push it to the side. So it is, it is relevant. It's important to know how to use it and effectively implement when it's appropriate with your class, with your students. Exactly. And the key you said was the creative tension. It's needed. Yeah. That level of like, Oh, what are you trying now? Yeah. For a lot yeah. of our teachers, one of their goals and their PGPs was, Oh, currently is for this year, you know, around the world of, of technology. And so they're challenging themselves with their own teacher web page uh, with Google Classroom. I think that's been pretty well adopted for to eight in our building because uh, yeah. it's just so user-friendly and so, um, yeah, ubiquitous once you get going with it. You can collect assignments from kids uh, anytime, hand out assignments anytime, and it creates a real user-friendly. Now, now I think the challenge for all educators, too, is to find the balance, but... It, yep. uh, yeah, it's definitely very, very good software, great tool, the Google Suite. It's handy, and it's it's great for students, too, right? Like, uh, um, it's easy for teachers, but it's, it's easier for students. Yeah, it's very interesting. You know what's really interesting to me as an observation? When I joined Alcon and Cath a couple of years ago, I'd never used a Google Doc, and then everything was Google Docs and this and that and Google Drive. And it caused me some major stress for the first couple months because I'm Microsoft Word and Windows folders. And now I'm comfortable <laughs> with both formats and I use a Mac too, so I'm comfortable with that format. So being exposed and being encouraged, eventually you kind of come around, right? You you spend a yeah. little bit of time, you got to spend some time doing it. And it's same for our students. And then now they're they're more comfortable with the Google stuff, but when you have a Windows computer with them, the whole Word things for a lot of them is very foreign. So now you're sort of introducing that aspect to it but what is interesting is that they're getting exposure to multiple formats and again yes. I think in their careers that will definitely pay dividends because you might work for this company and they like this software and then you switch roles and now there's new software and you're able to seamlessly handle that transition and go you know maybe I'm not an expert in this but I know how to figure it out because I've done it in school well and and um what you hit or what you said is is kind of poignant because right now I'm taking a class at the university. Um, it's the psychology of educational technology, Ooh. and uh, yeah, and one of the modules we just did was about your memory and how uh, your working memory, which we know is the short-term memory, is you're able to take chunks of information and if and work with it, whether you forget it or you move it onto your long-term memory, and so the more experience we have with other technologies, the less we use our short-term memory and the more we use our long-term memory. So we just, you know, make connections to something that we already know. Mm -hmm. And so it happens to be less work on our brain because long-term is unconscious. And then the great thing about that is once we start working with more and more different um, forms of technology and platforms, um, we apply different skills and that critical thinking and all those competencies that we're learning with the Alberta government, you know, your critical thinking, your managing information, your problem solving comes into play as well. 
Absolutely, yeah. No, that's really interesting. There. So right about there, we got interrupted again with a number of background noises that were just too much for me to include in the podcast. So the conversation then led to makerspaces and what makerspaces currently look like in schools and what are some of those trends. And we'll pick it up again with Heather. It's exciting. So yeah, all the different tech that's available to them, or are they going to go read? Are they going to go do some research? Are they going to work on a little project that that library learning common is a multi-use space at this point in a lot of schools. And uh, yeah, it's just bringing in elements of technology and some staff expertise to support kids in using it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So do we have a couple schools or have you seen some good examples of like the library with the 3D printer with some Raspberry pies with something which is a little <laughs> mini computer not an actual yeah. pie oh wouldn't that be good if no. there was pie oh that'd be amazing <laughs> um yeah actually um olph uh which is your or our uh, um, grade five to eight french immersion school here in Sherd park uh they have an amazing library set up they have um an ea who's designated some time to be in there and she's very passionate about it and they have um three doodler pens so um it's not a 3d printing machine but students can draw and essentially make 3d objects out of melting plastic they have um collaboration stations where there's three stations around a tv that students can interact with they have an interactive tv they have um uh inflatable chairs that students can sit on and work together they have uh, lego lego that students can use to build um and they were talking about getting some other technology um so they're just in the start of it and uh and they said it's been really really successful and really busy i think they have some dot and dash robots too i have to check on that and ozobots that's great so what is the what is the collaborative touch screen tv look like or what what do they kids oh, do with it yeah well it's just like it's just like a, a tv that um it has a chrome box associated with it so you can log in with your your chrome account and then it's basically like a touch tv so you can bring up a google doc that everyone's collaborating on and you can work on that document or um so it's it's more like a glorified screen really super There's, cool yeah, there is some other technologies out there, but they're highly expensive where um, uh, you can basically throw whatever's on your phone up onto the screen and manipulate it and interact with it. But it's it's in the tens of thousands of dollars and there's monthly s- subscriptions. Right. So it's not... It's not educationally friendly right now. Right. Yeah, we've got our Apple TV that uh, some in some projects we've used because kids, depending on what they're doing, like they'll use their Chromebook a lot. But for our older students that also carry cell phones that are typically iPhones, uh, they'll do a recording yeah. and then show it on the Apple TV, which is pretty neat. So they're getting a chance to do a little bit of that depending on the course or class. But uh, yeah, and that's the thing too, right? I mean, there's you look at a you know a typical student that comes to school, let's say a teenager anyway, 13 and up. They're packing a Chromebook. They're packing a phone. I mean, they've already got two pieces of technology that are really advanced, can do a ton of things. And, uh, you know, when they can leverage that power, they can, uh, they, yeah, they can really help their uh, educational journey with that, with those devices. Yeah, and it's not a one-size-fits-all. It's whatever works for that student. Yeah. I know I carry my Chromebook and my laptop and my phone around, and I 
at times can be using all three, really. Yeah, depending on what the task is, yeah. Yeah. So what what are the stresses you're you're hearing out there? Like are um or is are we still struggling with that balance? So with students that are on too much, or parents are saying, you know, I've got uh, my grade six kids on their Chromebook at night because they say they got to do homework, but I catch playing games and there's this tension in our household. Is that kind of stuff? been reported back to you I haven't heard a ton of that but I'm just curious if you have no no and I I haven't heard much of that either it's more you do mention balance and and I think in class it's hard for teachers to find the balance and we had talked a little bit about that well but, and it's time right? and I know that yeah and and I know that uh, there the addiction is out there to be on your device all the time like I, I experience it myself and and it's hard to pull away and I can't imagine how it is for a student who doesn't even have the skills to to understand that they're addicted or, or that they need to take a break and so yeah that's I'm the, sure it's that's out the there I'm not, not yeah I'm not naive to it but I haven't heard so much about it I think uh, for us too like we started the chat our chat this morning about relationships and your relationships with staff in the district in year two of your role and I think you know relationships between parents and their teenagers especially is so critical and mm -hmm. helping your child find that balance, right? Like I'm a big proponent for sure of parents saying, you know, your iPhone charges in mom and dad's bedroom or in a space that's not your bedroom. Uh, you know, I go back yeah. to, uh, here's here's a here's a great Joe Dumont story. I got a TV for my 17th birthday. Is that right? 18th birthday, so I was in grade 12. So the second half <laughs> of grade 12, I've got a TV in my room, like a little 19-inch screen TV, right? And I was watching, um, oh, like, I don't know, one of those, shows late at night like ufos or uh it's yes. like like ripley's believe it or not but it wasn't that old anyway i'm dating myself here in 1990s yeah i'm all scared can't go to sleep can't turn the tv off it's just constant distraction right and uh yeah it like impacted my academics a little bit i could feel like that you know i'm not as focused and i'm not getting stuff done and i'm not remembering what i did because i've got this background noise it's not causing me to focus so I finally developed some self-discipline to turn that puppy off and get my work done and finish my grade 12 year. But I could think now, you know, like uh, four kids, you know, they still need that parent help yeah. for making great decisions. Well, and I think what's important too is parents need to model and they don't necessarily do that. So, you know, they need to be off their device and maybe they should have their device charged somewhere else, you know, like... It's it's really easy to say one thing but do another, and and their child sees that, right? Yeah. So it's the relationship, the modeling, putting some boundaries in place. Though that piece to me is, it's still really important. It's been important forever, you know, for parents. But uh, that is yeah. uh, one. And earlier you start, the better, right? So if you just try Agreed. to hammer your sixteen-year-old, like, no, now the phone comes to me, and that wasn't the policy before. It's hard to do. So you want to start that young, and just develop that routine of, you know, they get a full night's sleep. They're not on devices. You know, in the middle of the night, sleep is so critical for sure. And to model it, you're right. I, I mean, I'll go to Millennium Place with my own kids and we'll be playing in the play park. And all it is is parents sitting around the outside all on their phones, right? <laughs> kids are playing. Yeah. Everyone else on their phone, the odd parents running around with their kid or whatever. But yeah, get up and interact, put it away. doesn't need to be on all the time. Yes. So that's it. It's a whole societal challenge, really. Yeah, yeah, and it needs to be an education all around. And so the nice thing about having students bring their own devices to school is we as the teachers can start showing them and modeling them and helping them figure out solutions to their problems yeah when it's appropriate to use when it's not it's you know we're going to use it now we're going to put it away yeah. now we can research yeah and that's so true because the technology and the technology in the world of work 
are not going away. So let's learn some ways to use it responsibly and productively. Exactly. Yeah, that's the goal for sure. So big, big uh, agenda for your second half of the year. You got lots of things cooking. You're doing PD for teachers after school. (laughs) You're doing some conferences. What else is happening in Heather's world? Yeah, and then it's, you know, um, trying to prepare what's going to happen next year and and start planning for support for our teachers that way. Mm -hmm. Um, There's this boot camp for Google certified educator level one has been uh, in high demand. I'm almost completely full in my session. So it looks like we'll have to open up another session or go level two. And so it's great to see that people want to be educated and, and certified and maybe even start getting some more trainers out there would be a great idea. Yep, absolutely. Um, The other, the other thing is, is um, I'm working on trying to come up with a, kind of like a vision statement or a purpose that's a little bit more outlined to support our teachers as to why we're integrating the technology and have, have it in um, hard copy. You know, they feel a little bit more powered when it comes to trying to take away devices or control the devices in their, their classroom or, you know, push those teachers who don't necessarily use the devices as much. Right. And then the other one is working on... Um, privacy policies in terms of service because right now it's it's not an issue but people are really quick to jump into websites and encourage their students to go onto websites and sign up for certain things and not look at the implications of their their privacy and so start educating people on that a little bit more so right and you know it's interesting that you say yeah yeah i think for us as a district that's important and for teachers it's a conversation but we need support um from different areas too in this area right like the canadian government needs to continue to push on ensuring that companies that are running software you know your facebook's of the world are following you know the the legislation that the federal government's passed provincial governments have passed like we need help with that and then the other thing i always think about too is like you know from the provincial government we're still bogged down with some pretty heavy curriculum with lots and lots of outcomes and yet there's this goal to make sure our kids are getting daily physical activity, learning about nutrition. There's always conversations about students understanding the world of finance and, you know, managing their own money. So we keep pushing more on to educators, but we never want to take anything back. And then there's the tech piece. The kids got to be learning how to code, how to run that 3D printer, <laughs> go to their makerspace. Like where, unless you add another hour and a half each day, how do you find the time to do that? So curric- curriculum redesign. Uh, giving us some opportunities to to take time to work on these things with kids is critical, and it couldn't happen soon enough. So I'm excited to see what comes out. You know, eventually we you know we thought we'd see new curriculum from the previous government in 2016 didn't happen. So we'll see what happens at the next stage. But it's just so important for us to get there so that we can spend a little bit more time looking at this stuff because teachers really are pulled in a lot of directions. Yeah, yeah, and the more support we can provide them, the better it is, and the more foundation from the government it will will help that. And you had mentioned about the support from the government, and I was at a, a privacy policy meeting with um, some other school boards and uh, a FOIP officer from the province of Alberta, and what was interesting is that they hadn't had discussions with Google and they asked us if they should start those discussions with Google about privacy. And I thought that was a little bit backwards where if you look at the province, not just in education, but in, in businesses and in life, like Google is 
it's a huge, huge um, part of our lives. And, huge, and yeah. for them to not even, yeah, for them to not even have had discussions with Google about privacy and and our students and their their citizens' privacy is was a little bit alarming. That is and then really we also, alarming. That's so shocking. Yeah, yeah, so they're starting discussions up from the the meeting. That's what I heard anyways. Yep. And then um, the other thing is, is, you know, our schools are so far ahead from what the government has laid out. Like, you know, um, when I think about even government testing, mm-hmm. we their, their format is paper and pencil. Mm-hmm. And yet so many students would succeed in other forms but they they don't have that ability yet so we need we need some changes from the from the government for sure and and look at the skills that students will need for the future like you said coding is huge not everybody needs to know how to you know speak java but they need to know how to problem solve and collaborate and troubleshoot and coding allows that yeah no it's so true i mean to me one of the big glaring issues that if you're writing diploma exams for English and social, grade 12 kids, and they need to be in a secure environment where they're typing it out in a computer lab, in an exam mode, so they can't access certain, you know, they can't go on the web or whatever when they're writing that test, and they print it out. So then schools have to find a way to have labs for one exam for the whole year. You know what I mean? Like, it's a yeah. whole, whole room that's dedicated for one event that will happen in, well, I guess, you know, happen at the end of the semesters, January and then June doesn't make a lot of sense like we really need the government to re-examine how we deliver assessments and uh, to leverage the technology that exists but at the same time to make sure the companies like once a company like google is so big that it's a noun and a verb you really should be examining you know their practice within your jurisdiction you know provincially anyway and uh, to know sort of what the you know data collection is on students staff jurisdictions i mean the tool is amazing it's great, but let's make sure it's, uh, yeah, it's um, meeting all the the standards that you know provincial government would expect for sure. Exactly, and be more proactive. Like I'm just, it sounds to me like you know you're just waiting for something bad to happen, and then you look at those issues. Yeah. Like, start looking for solutions now. Yeah, proactive approach. Well, there you go. So we probably both pitched uh, future jobs for ourselves in yeah some government <laughs> capacity. We'll be in there, and then we'll get there. We'll be like, no, slow down. We're government officials. Yep. We gotta go slow. Take our time. Gotta take stuff. it easy. Oh, I'm just teasing anyone from the government that listens to this. <laughs> oh, we'll be in big trouble. Yeah, the stereotypes for sure. That's funny. So no, it's it's exciting. So um, so my big uh, tech. I love the whole conversation around driverless cars. But so the there's three people that were recently spoke. Uh, Steve uh, Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs passed away. Apple. It wasn't him that shared this. It was uh, Bill Gates. Uh, Elon Musk, and then the guy from Amazon. It's, uh, I want to say Carlos. Oh, I forget his name. Anyway, uh, the three of them were talking about automation. And there are some drastic changes they feel like in the world of work where humans will continue to be replaced by automation and robots, like legit. So they're talking about, uh, you know, everything from just that, like the driverless era will bring in automation. So you have a a driving, a autonomous semi-truck, which is the number one employer across the U.S. is uh, semi-truck drivers, long-haul truck drivers. So if those guys all get replaced and gals by autonomous trucks, taxis get replaced by autonomous cars. All that stuff is coming, you know, early 2020s. You're going to see it more and more. And then one day, wham, it like just hits you. So to continue to expand our student skill sets because those types of jobs 
won't be there. Like education is so critical, even more so for this generation that's currently in school because the world they'll enter is going to be different. Exactly. Yeah. So to me, I'm like, we got to continue to, you know, and that's where new curriculum supports for the technology, support PD for teachers. All those elements are so important because really, you know, kids, kids in kindergarten right now, they graduate in 2030, 2029. What does 2029 look like, right? Like they probably never own their own car. They'll, they'll have a car. They'll sign up for a car service where an autonomous car picks them up and takes them to work. That world will be so different because they'll, and that, and the speed of change is accelerating, right? So yeah, what is, uh, what does that look mm-hmm. like? And what skills do they need to handle that world? I think we should just watch the Jetsons and then we'll have some kind of idea. Well, we would. They were gene- or Star Trek. I go back to Star Trek. I force my six year old on Star <laughs> the old episodes. And they stomach yep. it. They manage through with me, yeah, for sure. But uh hmm. Okay, well <laughs> I'm motivated to go teach about some tech. It's gonna be awesome. Great, teach me some too. Skills. Okay, well that sounds good. We'll touch base again uh, sometime soon. Keep up the great yes, work in our great. district, Heather. You're doing awesome. Thank you, and thanks Mm -hmm. for all the support. Yeah, you bet. Okay, we'll touch base later. Take care. Okay, you too. Bye. Bye. Well, that was the interview with Heather Van Struen. I really appreciate getting a chance to chat with her. She's very knowledgeable and an excellent educator, doing a great job with our teachers. If I sound a little bit like I'm out of breath right now, it's because we had a pep rally today, and the teachers played the students in a couple of games, and it was pretty intense, and I'm still tired. So it was great, though. Um, if you have any comments about the podcast, please feel free to send me an email at josephd at eics.av.ca or find me on Twitter at Principal Dumont. I'd love to engage in the conversation around educational technology and some of the thoughts or observations you've had in our journey in the last few years. That would be great. Anyway, thanks again for listening and take care.